Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that comes to you once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come on this September 2nd of 2019, or as we like to call it around these parts, the 14th anniversary of the Oscar-acclaimed film Transporter 2. This is Mike Mike and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. That was not a good movie, I remember. (laughs) I remember seeing that with a buddy, and we went to it thinking it was going to be something it was not it was nothing it was was the opposite of something (laughs) which is nothing a lot of stuff happening this week Uh, obviously we are just on the heels tell your ride film festival is wrapping up like we always say uh that's going to be saved for our oscar and award season centric show which is going to be oscar race update that'll be at the end of the week matt naglia from next best picture a buddy of ours gonna hop on with us give us the uh, first-hand account of what it was like in the film festival space there so we'll have everything from all the fallout of tell your ride and all other film festivals happening starting going on ending all of that uh, will be in your oscar race checkpoint episode at the end of the this week i'm excited for the joker reviews i'm excited for the marriage story and the G, even the judy reviews a lot of movies getting a positive buzz the oscar race picture is certainly starting to take shape and if mm-hmm. you've been on film twitter all weekend you've seen uh, a lot of the film twitter people a lot of the independent podcasters and reporters and critics all made their way out there so it was great to see and getting a lot of different angles seen a lot of polarized not polarizing but i guess a mixture of like reviews of this movie is a great movie but it's not an oscar movie this movie is going to contend for 17 categories <laughs> so it's kind of cool to see all that break down all we'll see, 25 yeah. <laughs> categories somehow we'll see how it all breaks down we'll be on top of all that like i said at the end of this week oscar race checkpoint as far as everything else happening in hollywood as far as blockbusters and movie news goes uh we will start here with what we are watching michael yeah it's what we're watching thank you The Amazing Jonathan documentary. This was not what I expected. It's more of a documentary about the making of this documentary than it was about The Amazing Jonathan, which is wild. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Or at least it's like 50-50. All that being said, it's hilarious, really clever. I love the filmmaker putting himself in this movie. And you are asking yourself who's telling the truth, so I really enjoyed the mystery of it as well. This is a movie that when we interviewed Riley Anspaugh and Jeffrey James Mm -hmm. of Headgum last year, they said that they had saw this at Sundance, yeah. It was, at Sun- was it Sundance or yeah. Telluride? I couldn't no, remember, Sundance. but I mean, it was some film, one of the famous film festivals. They said they enjoyed it. They thought it was really interesting. But this is not about the amazing Jonathan? It is somewhat, but he has <laughs> he's such a prankster that he has like four documentary film crews <laughs> following him around <laughs> at the same time. So it's, it's, it's funny in that respect. And then there's some bombshells at the end. It's, it's a lot of fun, I recommend right. it. Succession is by far the funniest, best show on TV right now. I'm an episode behind. I'm only through episode three. Somehow, a fourth episode squeaked out. I don't know where, but it's huh. on demand. Okay. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought I was caught <laughs> up. I was all ready to go for episode three today. And the first, they're three for three. The first three episodes are phenomenal. Starting to become the show of the moment. Everybody is watching this, and everybody has higher marks and high regards for it. I love it so much. I'm laughing my ass off at it. So which is definitely something you recommend people taking the dive into. I do. I do. Yeah. The first season was awesome. And it's King Leary. So if you're an Oscar right. movie lover, 
lover, you might really like this as well. Mike, I finished Glow Season 3. Did it get any better? This is the third week in a row on MMOW you're commenting on Glow Season 3. The first two were really depressing. Right. Not doing well, you said. Does it end on a high note for you? So they hit on some major issues, and they handled them pretty well, I thought. Okay. So that was a, a major positive. The relationship drama of it all paid off, and I'm, I'm glad about that as well. I think this show works best when they have the production within the production, when they show the wrestling on screen, and it's not just this, well, we're in Vegas and we're putting on the same show every night and we yada yada all that fact. Mm -hmm. The first two seasons, you followed the drama of the whole wrestling thing. Who's turning heel? Who's doing this? That's most of the, a lot of the fun, let's say. And to have all the parallel narratives, they got back into that with a couple special episodes towards the end of this season. So it, it started to work again i'm excited about season four there betty gilpin's been getting a lot of love as far as uh you know emmy awards caliber she's stuff great goes. she equally gets good in this season she, think, her best yeah. season in my opinion oh yeah. really okay uh, good Mark to know Aaron's good they're, they're all good they're great performances i i just think it lost its way in the middle it kind of got away from its formula that worked so well good. i'm glad to hear it it seems to be worthwhile at the end there we both watch hard knocks oakland Raiders. yeah i just finished it right before you came here so the john gruden montage in episode four was probably the best part of the whole show i think <laughs> uh the focus on the inside linebacker you got a montage with him you know coming and making the practice squad what's a he say not ago. knock on wood if you're with knock me knock on the wood table if you're with, you're with me. me what an idiot eat a snack <laughs> i but i loved it i was in yeah. for it that's it's, great it's so stereotypical football coach like yeah. if you think of a, a football coach who knows nothing about anything else other than like hey, hit him hard you know, that's what john gruden is I still think they're not showing like his hardcore coaching because they don't want to give away the X's and O's. Or at least I'll maybe he doesn't that. have it. Maybe he doesn't have it. I don't know. Mike, I watched The Legend of Cocaine Island. This is a Netflix documentary that has long been on my feed. The trailer overhypes it. Let's just say that it's pitched as this like treasure map thing where they're finding this hidden wealth of riches. Right? Okay. It's it's a a wild documentary, even so. It's not like the Treasure Map thing, but there's a great setup. What's the difference between a northern and a southern fairy tale, Mike? A northern fairy tale begins with Once Upon a Time. A southern fairy tale begins with Y'all Ain't Gonna Believe This Shit. <laughs> so, like, that's the kind of goods you get here. It, it's fun, it's funny, and it's impactful. So, I really, I really liked it on Netflix. Is it a movie? Is it a documentary? It's a documentary. It's a yeah. documentary. And is the island made out of cocaine? Because that would be awesome. It's Puerto Rico. Uh, it's just Puerto Rico. That's a little bit of a disappointment. An island in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Mike, Francis Ha, my Noah Baumbach watch continues here. Uh, This is one of those movies that we've been talking about recently. Mm -hmm. It's a fast living in your 20s in New York City kinetic energy movie. Mm -hmm. High energy movie. We talked about it with the synonyms trailer on our last Oscar Ace Checkpoint. There's also some great sequences in this, some Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach sequences. You can see their handprints all over it. Greta Gerwig goes home and visits. She's a star of the movie. She visits her family in Sacramento, and you get a Sacramento... My favorite part of the movie, you get a whole Sacramento montage. This so is- Sacramento was already being layered out as a setting for a great movie before sure. Greta got to it in Lady Bird. Then. Definitely a prelude to Lady Bird. And then there's perhaps the most awkward dinner party since Beatrice at dinner. <laughs> I really love and hated this dinner party awkwardness. I was rolling my eyes at the start of the movie and at the end of the movie because it's trying 
too hard to be so damn cute, mm-hmm. and it is so damn cute. It's black and white. It's artsy. I, I like that, but it's I'm like, oh, God, give me a break. <laughs> These jokes aren't good enough to feature them like this. But the movie definitely won me over. Did it I, make I you it. cry? No. No. It's a marriage a, story will make you cry. Probably. <laughs> yes, all right. I have a book recommendation. All right. I loved Red Country by Joe Abercrombie. This is my ninth read of his. Famously of Abercrombie and Fitch, of course. No, uh. he's an epic <laughs> fantasy writer. This is not swords and sorcery necessarily, but it, it is swords, and I just love it so much. I could not stop listening a few nights. It kept me going. for Like, I did three-hour chunks until one in the morning. I did not get enough sleep this week, but uh, what a great writer, <laughs> Joe Abercrombie. So if you need something epic fantasy, he's the, the way to go he's got a new book called a little hatred coming out that i've already pre-ordered for uh i think next month I'm is it excited. part of a series is it just independent it's in the same other? world okay. so he had like a trilogy in the series mm-hmm. in, the, in that world and then he did a separate trilogy which is like adjacent to this world and then he did three books after his first trilogy that each take place like 10 years later 12 years later 15 years later the 15 years later book has a major character from the first trilogy mm-hmm. and Oh my God! It blew my mind when so this, this character showed up. This is his up. Hobbit trilogy, as opposed to spinning off from the Lord of the Rings. Well, just trilogy. think, like if Samwise Gamgee showed up in a latter <laughs> Tolkien book, how happy I would be! I how happy you would two be! Two of those words. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. All right, let's uh, see by skip. Let's keep it with TV shows this week. Something new and different. I'm assuming you're going to uh, buy Succession here. But I'm we'll buying include it, it anyway. Day, yeah. Succession, Glow, Hard Knocks. See by skip for those. Well, I'll skip Hard Knocks watching it again. So if I, if I could say rewatch. <laughs> can only take so much Gruden. It's all right. It's not great. I'm, I'm excited to watch QB1. That's my next dive mm-hmm. on Netflix there. I love the first two seasons of that. Glow, I'll see again maybe because i think there's a lot of worthwhile moments there all right good to know what's the best thing you saw this week michael in session film podcast i just thought they crushed it this last week and a half i listened to a bunch of their stuff i just let that feed keep going on my itunes so it's not i didn't watch it i listened to it shout out to in session film they were awesome they're crushing it love their stuff they did a chasing the gold episode that i listened to that's i mean i'm going back in the feed mm-hmm. i listened to that they did a peanut butter falcon episode they've done a ton of stuff i, I really love their stuff Great yeah job. if you fan of independent podcasting in general there's a lot of a lot of the brands we talk to often online it's a lot of people have been going into overdrive and just coming up with really creative and they're interesting content yeah. so it's been been great in sessions included in there uh, i don't have much it's been a typical not watching much week for me uh, I did have, I did watch the first Purge. I shouldn't have. Uh, it it could have been, like, it could have been so much more. They wanted to have this, like, societal narrative in there. Yeah. And they wanted to have, like, it, it kind of reminded me as somebody who watched Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. But only watched it once and then, like, handed in their first draft of a script of their take on it. Did you listen to Bill Simmons' Half-Baked Ideas pod where he's like, we basically came up with this back in our Grantland days, The Purge. No. Apparently he did. <laughs> Apparently they did. They're Just like, taking it all out? Taking their, people they out? They had a half-baked idea about The Purge <laughs> existing in real life. <laughs> Never mind. In a movie. I would love to see, like, how this would be implemented makes no sense. And this no. is what The First Purge is concentrating right. on. They're saying it's like they, they're going to implement it in low-income areas of, like, Staten Island or Long Island and quarantine them. And, and the whole crux of it, and I'm sorry if this is giving too much away, I don't care, don't see this movie, it's... 
It's like they're the government is shipping in militias yeah. to make it seem like the citizens are taking out each other, but really it's just the government taking down everyone as part of like population control. I remember being like a C or a C plus yeah. on it, and then the second movie kind of lost me because like death metal music, and it was yeah. like, <laughs> and it was just so much killing. It was so gross. Couldn't yeah, handle. you know, you can live your life without seeing the first purge happily. I think. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had. I didn't go into the sequels either. <laughs> but what else you say? It was a big weekend for wrestling. There was a lot of shows. I did watch uh, AEW, which is the, the lesser, the newer promotion. So I how they don't doing? say lesser, but they're doing really well. All Out was on last night. It was a, a fun show. Four hours of wrestling, and it was pretty unique. There was a lot of good matches. I thought, sure, CM Punk was going to debut mm-hmm. because he they do uh, what's called StarCast, which is an adjacent meet and greet, basically, for all kinds of wrestling personalities hmm. that happened the day before these big AEW shows. And he was there at StarCast. He was in Chicago. That's where the pay-per-view was. So I basically bought it thinking that it was going to definitely be a, a CM Punk finally coming back to the world of wrestling. It wasn't. He's going to be in a that movie. That makes me sad. Yeah, he's going to be in The Girl on the Third Floor, a horror movie. I think he's playing the antagonist. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm a big, huge CM Punk guy. I'm a big horror fan guy. So obviously you know that from listening. So uh, he wasn't there. I was sad. Okay. Heartbroken. Now, now, go back. When you say meet and greet, do you mean like a press junket kind of thing? Or do you mean like everybody just hits each other with a steel chair? No, like actual like <laughs> Q&A from the audience and like you can sign okay. autographs and stuff. Okay. No storylines playing out, at least not as far <laughs> as I know. But if you want to try to go and hit someone with a chair, see what happens. Let me know. I'm curious. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd pay to see that. Okay. Uh, otherwise, it was just more of the same for me. Big Brother's coming down the pipe. We got six people left in the house. We're finally getting a double eviction episode this Thursday, which really, it's a fun episode, but it it really highlights how absurd and drawn out everything is in the show, because if you don't know this, Mike, so every week of Big Brother, they have Mm -hmm. three episodes, Mm -hmm. okay? And it's, they have an HOH competition, which is picking out who's the leader of the house for the week, essentially. Mm -hmm. That HOH nominates two people on the block. Those two people and others in the house play for a veto competition where they can take themselves off the block. And then finally, the third episode is the eviction. People vote for someone to go home. Okay, this takes a week. This is three episodes. Once or twice per year, they'll have what's called a double eviction episode, which is they do an eviction. They vote, let everyone go out. This is the third episode of the week. Person Mm -hmm. leaves. And then they truncate a week of the programming into that same episode. So they'll have the HOH competition, the veto competition, and someone else will be voted out. So really, it's really interesting because it's a truncated version of an entire week of programming stuffed into one thing, one show, except it's only highlighting how drawn out everything is because you can fit the entire action of a week into one show. And yet you're watching all three of them. It's my favorite show. (laughs) I think I was flipping the channels. I don't know if I watched a previous Big Brother or one of the new ones, but there's just some dude in a Speedo in in a bed. Room. Yeah, this happens. And then there was somebody else, you know, barely clothed. It's not highbrow television. <laughs> and I watched it for like 30 seconds and I was like, so this is Big Brother? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm easy to please. Uh, but the best thing I saw this week probably was the uh, the Kenny Omega Pac match that happened at the AEW, the all-in pay-per-view, okay. or all-out pay-per-view, I should say. Uh, I'm really excited to see them. They go weekly on TNT in October. I want to say October 3rd. They'll be going face to, head-to-head with WWE's NXT programming. So if you're a wrestling junkie, if you're a live television junkie, if you're a live sports uh, entertainment junkie, it's going to be interesting to see how the ratings for those fall out, especially in 2019 when ratings mean not exactly what they used to mean 20 years ago. Now, you don't necessarily have enough for a C by Skip, but how about this? C by Skip stuff I watched. The Amazing Jonathan documentary, Cocaine Island, 
and Francis Ha. Which would you see, buy, or skip out of those three? I'm thinking about going into Noah Baumbach just raw Mm -hmm. with having no prior experience with him because I think that'll either make my volatility, I'll either love what I see Mm -hmm. or despise it. (laughs) I don't want to be prepared for it. So So you're buying it or seeing it? No, I think I would skip Francis Ha. I do want to see the Amazing Jonathan documentary, and I've wanted to see that piqued my interest ever since uh, Riley and Jeff spoke to us about it, and I've... He's been a, a really funny guy, and I know it's one of my brother's favorite comedians when he was healthy and he doing was well years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, so I would buy that, and I guess I would see Cocaine Island, but I'm very disappointed it's not an island made out of cocaine, so it's already got that working <laughs> against it for me. It's not an island made out of cocaine. You're right. <laughs> we'll move on to some audience interaction stuff. Mike, Six Degrees of MMO had Samara Weaving going to Paul Walter Hauser this week, and we have another introduction into our celebrity wing, but we'll get to that in the winner. What do we have to start off the efficiency awards this week? Yeah, so some other efficiency awards, because our winner's pretty yes. efficient as well. Weaving is in three billboards with Woody Harrelson, who is in Zombieland, with Emma Stone, who is in Corella with Hauser. That was from Noy George, N-O-I, <laughs> at Noy George. Uh, and I love his Twitter handle he's got. These are all great handles. Yeah, it's like George, but there's also an N. It's like Jen Orgy. Yeah. Or uh, There's an N in parentheses and an I in parentheses. He's I didn't be, pronounce that right. He's got to be British. They love putting in extra letters and stuff It's a in there. great handle. <laughs> so I'm watching this show. At So I'm Watching Samara Weaving is nearly identical to Margot Robbie, who was in <laughs> Itania with Paul Walter Hauser. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, they had a gift at the end of it. It made me laugh, so we had to put it in there. Another one that made me laugh. A podcast about something at APA Something said, neither of these actors is in a Fast and Furious movie. Hey. Boom! Prove him wrong, Mike. Prove him wrong. <laughs> Say that's inaccurate. Sorry for the low effort. I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah, have a good vacation there, APA something. The Left Peak Award of the Twin Peaks Awards goes to Nolan Roberts at Nolan Roberts 17. Mm-hmm. Samara Weaving is in Bill and Ted 3 with Keanu Reeves, who was in Toy Story 4, the third sequel to a movie co-written by Joss Whedon, who would later work on MCU and DCEU, just like James Gunn, you currently making The Suicide Squad, starring Margot Robbie, who was in I, Tom with Paul Walter Hauser. That's wild because Joss Whedon and James Gunn both did both. Yeah. They don't have allegiances. They're like, what do you call them? Mercenaries. It's like a double connection. Oh, speaking of mercenaries, the challenge started up this week. Bill Simmons has always said that's America's fifth professional sport. I co-sign. You will be getting a lot of challenge updates from me in the near future as well. Oh, my God. The right (laughs) peak of the Twin Peaks David Lynch Award goes to Swamp Thing at Wojcik Weischer. Hauser was on episode six of season three of Key and Peele with Kate Micucci, who is the voice of Clayface in the Lego Batman movie. I love this because it connects to... (laughs) We've been talking about Key Multiple things we're doing. Batman. In the same movie, Jenny Slate voiced Harley Quinn. I had no idea about this. I love Jenny Slate. Perfect that she voiced Harley Quinn, which Margot Robbie played in Suicide Squad. Robbie turned down the role of Sam Thompson in Birdman. No idea about that. The role ultimately went to Emma Stone. Stone was in a relationship with Andrew Garfield, who was nominated for an Oscar for playing Desmond Doss and Hacksaw Ridge alongside Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving is the (laughs) uncle of Samara Weaving. How would you like to have your uncle be Agent Smith? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea about a lot of those things. No, and that's interesting, too, because that chain falls apart if Margot Robbie doesn't turn down that role in Birdman because she didn't date Andrew Garfield. So where would you go from that? 
Well, he could have went from Margot Robbie to Paul Walter Hauser at Itania like everybody else. No, did. no, no. It would but have he, been a dead end. He took the roundabout, entertaining way and gave us another shocking revelation. I love uh, it. We do have another entry into the celebrity wing of the uh, Six Degrees of MMO Hall of Fame here, and it's Paul Walter Hauser himself joining Aquafina <laughs> as answering this week's Six Degrees of MMO and putting it together. It's a, like Mike said, it's an efficiency award. It's a very easy and quick connection. But he was nice enough to tweet out to us. So Paul. Walter Walter Hauser at Paul W. Hauser, H-A-U-S-E-R. Samara Weaving was in three billboards with Sam Rockwell, who was in Richard Jewell with me. <laughs> which is it. what he said, so which is a- beautiful. Aquafina, Paul Walter Hauser, <laughs> thank you for responding to our six degrees of MMO games and playing along. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. We, we've been loving Paul Walter Hauser for a long time. He is so cool. Adore him. He makes these characters that are so slimy, so much <laughs> fun, so great. and so likable. And it really, in, in terms of sheer movie criticism and film appreciation here, and the nuts and bolts of it, he makes these characters rounded because of his likable performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great job. Very vulnerable and has a very easily cracked veneer. He's usually someone that doesn't have a lot of self-confidence, <laughs> and you can see that, and he plays it. It's I love it. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And certainly, like you said, turning into one of our favorite actors. And thank you very much to him for, for chiming in, and he is the winner this week of Six Degrees of MMO. And usually, when you're in the problem and one of the links of the chain, <laughs> if you respond, uh, just it's one of our unwritten rules. You're going to win. Probably going to win. So he gets all the bragging rights of all things Six Degrees of MMO related this week, but we do have another challenge for those of you participating next week as well. Yes, It Chapter 2 is going to be the movie of the week, perhaps the movie of the month, Mm -hmm. Michael. We're going to take Bill Hader, SNL vet Barry Starr, who really just broke out. Some Oscar buzz for this performance as well. Bill Hader to Ava Longoria, who's going to direct a movie in our Do You Care segment and in terms of it's an announcement. smartest movie ever conceived. I of. love it. So Bill Hader <laughs> to Ava Longoria. That's your new challenge. Gun to your head, Mike. But knowing nothing about the performance Bill Hader puts forth, knowing nothing about It Chapter 2, are you buying the hype? Was Bill Hader going to be an Oscar nominee? I think he's going to deliver a great performance. Is he going to be an Oscar nominee? No. I feel the same. I can't see it coming out of it, but boy, would I love that. We're (laughs) calling it a movie event as of now. (laughs) I guess we could see it, and maybe we'll be like, holy cow, this has got to be nominated. For For a performance to be nominated from that type of movie, it's got to be... Like, he's got to see the fear of God in his eyes at times. Yeah. It's a guy that's going to be so petrified and over the top. And we thought he was coming in for comic relief. Yeah. And yeah, no, he he's going to be the straight man, it sounds like. Unbelievable. Amazing. Box office update. It's a relatively quick one this week because, one, we don't have firm numbers yet as we're doing this about noon on a Sunday. It's been kind of slow to go, but the reason it's been kind of slow to go, and reason number two is nothing happened at the box office, at least stateside this week. Yeah, Angel Has Fallen is going to take number one again with around $14 million. Good Boys, then Lion King, Hobbs and Shaw, Overcomer. They're going to round out the top five. Spider-Man Far From Home added four minutes and a re-release. It made seven million on the week, and don't let go where the uncle did it. Probably, yeah, I think. Yeah, we didn't see it, but we probably he probably we figured that one out. Don't let go came in fourteenth with two point eight million, and in a way, if you know the fourteenth place is making almost three million, that's a good thing. A lot of movies are making a little money at at the very least, but yeah, not a lot to talk about there. What I wanted to highlight for you, Mike, is Variety and Deadline.com. They have come up with summer movie tallies here. So Disney won with an avalanche of money here, yeah. Mike. $2.2 billion on the summer. Lion King, Aladdin, Toy Story 4 really propped up their earnings. 
They had a couple bombs, and they all came from a studio that they purchased. Gee, that's weird! Dark Phoenix, Stuber, <laughs> Art of Racing in the Rain. Fox Properties lost $170 million for them, but yeah. yeah, they did okay. Through no fault of Disney's, I'm sure. And that number's only going to increase. Disney's still got a couple more heavy hitters in the pipeline. Obviously, Frozen 2 is going to make a ton, a ton of, of money. money. Just saw Lights Camera Jackson on Twitter today saying that animated films domestically have just crossed the $1 billion threshold, uh, which is still short of what they did in 2018. They accounted for $1.65 billion, but you would think Frozen 2 is going to pick up the slack of that and make that well over and have domestic yes. films, or domestic animated films, I should say, uh, do well. Abominable spies in yeah. disguise. They're going to make a chunk of money as well. Sony was number two at the box office thus far for the summer. They reeled in $705 million. There hits, obviously, Spider-Man Far From Home, and surprisingly, maybe, The Intruder did well for them as well. Brightburn was kind of a push. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did well for Tarantino, but probably not as great for the studio at large, and they were responsible for a couple money losers as well in Angry Birds 2 and MIB International, which were two of the titles that really took front and center as far as the condition of sequel-itis went around the industry in this summer. Yeah, with a billion-dollar property, they, they went down with a lot of their other titles yeah. there, unfortunately. Universal made 536. They had a bunch of conservative hits. You know, Hobbs and Shaw is starting to pick up mm -hmm. internationally. Secret Life of Pets did okay. It did less than the original. Yesterday made good money yeah. on its budget, even though it's not a huge numbers overall. Ma made good money on its budget, like 70 versus a $5 million budget. Good Boys is going to be profitable by a dozen or 20 million or so and as it's well. nice to see those last three titles yesterday my good boys all original properties not you know giant blockbusters but mm -hmm. a decent budget mid-sized budget was put into each of those and they're returning fine investments i guess low budget for my was five million yesterday was a little more than that and good boys about 20 million but mm -hmm. still not nothing put into these properties not that nothing. are original properties and they make money for them so mm -hmm. i think there's something to be learned there wb was fourth at 410 million over the summer they did okay with annabelle comes home they did okay with Pokemon Detective Pikachu. They ended up losing money with Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is really going to have an impact as to whether or not we get that Godzilla versus King Kong movie yeah. that everyone is expecting. Shaft didn't do well. The Kitchen, obviously, a huge bomb. Very disappointing as well. And Blinded by the Light is just not doing well, even though it has high critic marks. WB had the greatest fall from last year uh, also, and that was something to note, unfortunately. Lionsgate came up with $316 million. That's solid. Paramount, 189 They had some modest hits with Rocketman and Crawl, although Dora and the Lost City of Gold was, uh, as Variety put it, a painful money loser. And Fox made 164 That is your summer box office by studio. Great articles by Deadline.com and Variety. The Variety one was written by Rebecca Rubin and Brent Lang. It's also interesting of note that Sony has taken over wholesale the marketing for Spider-Man Far From Home, and that's why it was re-released with those additional seven minutes or whatever, four minutes of additional footage, because Marvel is just wiping their hands of it, so Sony's been the ones marketing them and pushing them on their social medias and mm -hmm. been on all of Sony's channels and none of Marvel's. It's just kind of interesting to see. I just wonder if that worked. It made $7 million. Will it make, you know, $14 million? Will it make another $10 million worldwide or another $20 million worldwide with that re-release? Yeah, it's did interesting. Mid did Midsommar's re-release make any money with that director's cut? I'm curious because did they have to do a lot to cut that together? Did yeah. it cost them that much? My guess is the marketing is what cost them the most to get those out there. I don't know. We're also in this new era where 
re-releases and director's cuts and you just saw this movie three months ago but come see it for these additional 19 seconds of footage that we found mm-hmm. i don't know how i feel about all this i don't know either i'm wondering if we're going to get a once upon a time in hollywood re-release coming out we, we would guess so but there's also been a lot of buzz about netflix getting the longer yeah cut. so i don't know the extra cut is just cliff booth just beating the shit out of bruce lee's character wholeheartedly yeah just pounding yeah feeding the dog times four i'll I'll buy that i'm in for that go on to some trailer thoughts from this week only one big trailer to review right now michael yeah terminator dark fate i don't know if this counts as trailer two or trailer three we kind of had james cameron and linda hamilton and all the interviews mishmashed with new footage that we talked about a couple weeks ago so terminator 2 spoilers here i think perhaps because i'm forgetting the narratives in this (laughs) franchise because there's been so many different ones oh come on it's a pretty simple story to keep up with boy meets girl boy meets skynet (laughs) skynet takes over world go back in time Becomes robot. Change the history. Christian Bale yells at production assistant. Go back in time again. This Arnold, that Arnold. Why is Linda Hamilton mad at this Arnold? That was my biggest question too. I don't understand this. Because coming out of Terminator 2, number one, coming out of Terminator 2, how is the same Arnold alive? So if she's mad at another Arnold, that would make some sense. Because other Arnolds cause problems for her. But then again, that Arnold shouldn't be alive either. Clearly, that's the original Arnold. He's weathered and older. It has to be. It's Terminator. not a different Terminator that's gotten older. How is how is he there? Yeah. Like, what is this a sequel to? I'm so confused. We need to have your brother on the show to explain <laughs> all of it to us. I don't get it. I don't know if this is a sequel to one, but again, that doesn't make sense. All right, let's get into the trailer though. Action looks awesome. It does. It looks phenomenal. I'm very excited to see this. The more I see of it. And we got set pieces shown in in here. We got some moments where, you know, hand-to-hand combat's really working. I'm into all of that. Tim Miller's going to do a nice job because the Deadpool accent was awesome. It looks like we get two separate giant action sequences between Mackenzie Davis and whatever this bad Terminator, yeah. new age Terminator yeah. is. One's going to be in like a warehouse <laughs> or like a machine, mm-hmm. near machines mm-hmm. and all this conveyor belts. And then one's going to be in like a police station, which we saw in this preview as well. And I like that they're cool. all wearing costumes of the warehouse. Yeah. So I think we're going to get like, you know, a little bit of a heist thing there too. So is this a thing where like Terminators can just turn into other people? Because I don't think I mean, you would know if that cop was on your payroll or not, if, if police can, station. If he can double himself, he probably can turn into other people. Yeah, you think so? No right. question. Yeah. Well, I guess they, they did that in Terminator 1, too. He was on the phone. And, and for 2. somebody else. Yeah, yeah, and I think for continuity, though, they're probably staying with the same actor. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it either. <laughs> All right. Is it fun or is it nostalgia overload when Sarah Connor says, I'll be back at the end of this trailer? I liked it. I liked it too, I it, but it's yeah. like so corny. It's, it? it's easy. It's like it's low hanging fruit for sure. But I think there's some kind of expectation that goes with that. You want to celebrate what these actors have done for you in the past with yeah. this IP. So why not have something to tie to them to hold over like geeky thirty year olds like us yeah. who can't wait to see this? When's the last time you were excited for a Terminator movie? You know like, this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm excited for this one. I, I really am. I think it's going to be a fall movie event, perhaps for us if we can make time somehow in between all the Oscar movies. My God, there's so many i'm looking at that schedule i'm like what are we gonna do (laughs) but mike if this movie does well there was a story this week on slashfilm.com that it's supposed to be the start of a new trilogy says james cameron i mean is that news 
everything is supposed to be the start of a trilogy these days. Yeah. It just depends on how the box office Which goes. Which we'll But they haven't announced trilogy movies two and movie three dates like they had for the Amelia Clark right. movie. Like, they, like they've jumped the shark and the, the gun, I guess. If in, you were being chased by a Terminator, what would be your plan of action? Oh God! Just eat a sandwich. I would go and have my. Fate. I would go and hope I had some time for a last meal. <laughs> and would it be a sandwich? Probably, because I would figure I wouldn't have a last meal that could be really put together. I would hopefully have time to order a sandwich, eat the sandwich, right. and then just basically. He know, just blows in your door, and you're just like yeah. finishing up a meatball, palm up. You put up like one finger. One, just one second. I'm, I'm almost ready for my dark face. I will put in no resistance. <laughs> well, that's one way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Oh, there's so much running, and there's so much. I just can't handle it. Life that. is too short for cardio. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go on and talk about some things we may or may not care about. This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care segment is we take the upcoming releases coming out this week in theaters and I ask Michael if we care about them. And, you know, look, Hollywood, if you're not going to open something on Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. which they didn't. There was, there was only one release like we talked about. You can't go two weeks because you're scared of it chapter two. And then complain about how the, all the good dates are taken by Disney, True. right? Like, these are two weeks. Yeah, you're going to have to face competition. You can't have the box office all to yourself, but something can finish second to it, and it'd be okay. That'd still be a win for your studio. But, again, the only nationwide release we have this week is It Chapter 2. We also have Chichor? Chichori? Oh, boy. I have no idea. There's, <laughs> we all... <laughs> there's four H's in that title. <laughs> Chichori, I'm going to say is that word, and I'm sorry if it's wrong. That's opening limited. Uh, tell me why I care about Chichori. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's all about it, Chapter yeah, 2. It is. It's why we previewed it last week with our crossover episode of the Joker character study where we kind of ran down the history of evil clowns in Episode 3 there. Of that study, mm-hmm. episode one, we did the history of the Joker character. Episode two, we did Cesar Romero. Next week, we're doing Jack Nicholson. Or this week, we're doing Jack Nicholson. Next week, we're doing Mark Hamill. Yeah. Those are coming down the pike for us. Yeah. I'm getting a little word that we haven't gotten reviews of it, Chapter I 2, yet. I think I saw, it may have been late at night, so I could be making this up. I thought I saw the embargo for the press was September 3rd. Okay. So... That could be the reason. Some people have tweeted out, like, this is a masterpiece. Some people have tweeted that stuff okay. out, but we don't have anything yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so the, the Bill Hader Oscar hype is coming from somewhere, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, people have, have seen this and people have slipped to the tongue, but I, I thought I saw there was an impress embargo until the third, but I could be wrong about that. But regardless, look, it's got a lot to live up to. We've previewed the hell out of it. Two hours and 45 minutes for a horror movie is something really unique and something not done often, so... We're going to see if it lives up to the hype. We're going to see if it's maybe a little long in the tooth. Hopefully yeah. it's not. I don't remember the first one being two hours and 15 minutes. I remember it being very quick and enjoyable. So hopefully this feels the same, even though it's 18 hours long. That long of a movie is not really done ever in the horror genre. No. Unless you consider like Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac a horror movie. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen it. Don't at me. Mike, story number two here. Annapurna resolved their $200 million in debt. That's official now. We're happy about this. Do you care about this? I do care about this. I care because Megan Ellison gets to stay in a, in a 
tastemaker role with Annapurna, which I think is very important. To she makes industry. good movies. She yeah. does. She shouldn't be punished for that, which I know is, you know, she, they're losing so much money. She loses so money on every movie, though, Mike. <laughs> right. She does. Yeah, her father stepped in, settled all the debt for about 82 cents on the dollar. We covered this more extensively last week and the week before. Mm -hmm. This is just our way of wrapping this up oh, and saying well. that it's finally done and it is moving forward. There was a... Uh, Matt Donnelly has been on top of this for Variety. He did a great job, wrote another great article about it, but there was something in this article that elicited hope from me it elicited hope from me. It, Annapurna will not seek a new line of credit and will instead look for financing partners on a case-by-case -case basis or be wholly financed by Ellison herself. And Annapurna's spokesperson did not respond to Variety's request for comment. So I don't know if that means they're going into this co-financing thing more heavily now and they're not going to worry about just themselves funding these pictures. And if they are going to wholly fund them themselves, if they're going to be doing the distribution, mm -hmm. I've been saying, I'm mean, on a mountaintop shouting that they should get out of you distribution. Have. And I hope they can find some kind of co-financing partner to take care of that end of it. That inspires some hope because I think there should be a lesson learned from all this. You can't just go into hundreds of millions of dollars of debt no matter how quality the pictures are mm -hmm. because you can't survive. It's just not good business. I hope there's a lesson learned from this. If the lesson is that they're going to get more co-financing partners and not rely on credit and not just go into hundreds of millions of dollars of debt again, I think that's a good thing. And again, I think it's a very important thing that somebody like Megan Ellison, who's proven to have good film taste, if not savvy business sense, yes. stays in charge of picking films essentially most of the best picture oscar nominees and i i say this with confidence they make money year to year yeah they do so she's gotten a lot of nods at the end of the day and she's got to get these movies to where they're profitable it's done around the industry they can do it they can figure this out i have confidence <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> somebody can consult them. I have confidence. <laughs> Does she hate Bohemian Rhapsody? A little bit, probably. Gotta be. Probably a ton, right? Because <laughs> Christian Bale probably should have won that best actor. And, her and Vice probably would have done better at the box yeah, office. Her movies are so much better than that yeah. one. Gosh darn it. All right, number three, Mike. Yeah, Richard Linklater. I have such an issue with this story. He's doing a 20-year movie. Another he, one. He did Boyhood, which was a 12-year movie. Yeah filming it over the course of 12 different years in real time. He's doing one over 20 years now. Based on Merrily, we roll along. Beanie Feldstein is one of the co-stars of this. Yeah, it's a musical that he'll have to shoot in reverse order. You can't care about this. Because apparently, Mike, the story goes backwards in time. Pitch Perfect's Ben Platt. I'm interested. Oh, I, shut up. I know the Slash <laughs> Film article pitched it as, are we going to have the apocalypse in 20 years? Yeah, like, that's number one. Are this we world be, ain't come ain't here 20 years, all right? Are we going to be living in Mad have Max? Have we not seen Mad Max and this is the end and all of these grim, foreboding, <laughs> explanatory movies over the years? Chris Evangelista is very funny. He's one of our favorite writers yeah. and he's certainly crushing it on Slash Film there. I don't know how he's going to handle this, but I, I know that you know those two actors amongst the rest of the cast, they're going to come back and shoot the earlier scenes of the movie as they grow older. They're shooting the end of the scenes of the film now with uh, Richard Linklater. I'll care about this in 15 years. Okay, what I'm sure we have, a, when there's a five-year outlook for the world, and yeah. it looks like it'll be here. Because a 20-year outlook right now, don't look so hot. And there's a... I mean, Richard, you know, you hate to say it, but some kind of tragedy could befall any of these oh people. I mean, you can't plan for it to... Yeah, screw you, Richard Linklater. <laughs> you can't do this. No. Boyhood was nice. Live on that. Enjoy it. 
You don't do this 20 years. He's going for it. He's Ugh. going for an even longer project than the last time. I think it's bold. So I'll, I'll tip my Bold hat. is one word, yes. It's bold. <laughs> Mike, story number four. Ava Longoria, six degrees of MMO subject for next yes. week. She will direct Flamin' Hot about the inventor of Flaming Hot Cheetos. This is the smartest conception for a film <laughs> that I've ever heard. This is cool. First of all, I look forward to the future of films such as like Ritz, A Cracker Beyond. <laughs> Oreo. And like... Ruffles, Reese's. It's like a behind-the-scenes drama, political drama. Don't you want to see about this? About the though? making of chips. This is well. This is why it's genius because colloquially, to everybody, there's going to be a flaming hot Cheetos movie. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you get some portion of the audience into that theater that thinks they're going to see like the equivalent of the Emoji movie, as if like flaming hot Cheetos are going to be That's talking a, to each other. It's a biopic, right? But that's my point. You're going to get people that would never see a biopic otherwise just by word of mouth and misleading. True. But this is objectively a fascinating story. It's about the creator of Flamin' Hot Cheetos who started as a janitor at Frito-Lay. Richard Montanez is the guy's name. He worked his way up and is now an executive. He introduced the conception of Flamin' Hot Cheetos using tastes and flavors from his, from his culture and his homeland and sure. all this. Great story. Exciting story in like the image of like the founder, how we had that movie, the Michael Keaton movie with McDonald's, didn't really do all well the box office, but, but this is it's an interesting story. Certainly, Ava Longoria is capably as a as a producer, and I'd like to see her work as a director. But you don't have to spend a dime in marketing on this movie, right? <laughs> the marketing's done for you, isn't it? The Flame and Hot Cheetos movie that's our that's out there. People heard about this. This was all over the internet when it was announced. All you had to do is put like. What's the trailer? Just zoom in on a bag of Cheetos and it's done. Also, I want a montage on YouTube of screenings ending of this movie and everybody just covered yeah, in just red dust. orange <laughs> dust. And like they, they just take the camera out and just look at people. Just, Don't oh. look at me. <laughs> I want to be one of those people, by the way. More seriously, though, this Deadline article, they broke this story. It was written by Amanda and Duke. They had a wild statistic in this article that I think should be getting more, much more attention than just the flaming Hot Cheetos movie is happening. Uh, she said that when discussing the projects Longoria has in development as a producer and director, only one Latina in the past 12 years has directed one of the top 1,200 grossing films. Oh, no. That is horrible. That is horrible. I mean, good. I, I knew it was dire, but I didn't realize it was that atrociously bad. This is, again, goes back to that systemic issue we talk about all the time. Yeah. You can't tell me there aren't Latin women out there dying to direct bigger budget and more studio-centered films. What the fuck is the holdup here? This is inexcusable, isn't it? Well, but at the same time, this is a good story. I'll sure, try to play absolutely. the here. So uh, it's, it's as always, yeah, one step, you know, good job. But WTF, it's the same thing, I, I, that applies here. That's outrageous, yep. that type of stat. And that's what I think should get more play than the Flamin' Hot Cheetos movie, as interesting and objectively fascinating as that story is. And I do think it translates well to being on screen. I mean, it's just going to be an interpersonal drama about this guy, basically a rags-to-riches story. Good for him. Love it. Mike, the first image from Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho is out, and I am terrified. So the image is of Thomason Hardcourt McKenzie, actress we love. Yes. She has her arm across her face with her elbow covering her mouth. Her eyes are bulged. Those eyes are covered in a ton of black yeah. eyeshadow. She's got blonde hair. Whoa. Yeah. He wasn't kidding when he said this is going to, you know, remind people of Frantic and other psychological thriller movies, I, mean, I guess. Give it to me. 
I want this right now. Yeah. Production just wrapped. We're going to probably get more glimpses in the coming months. Edgar Wright is one of my favorite filmmakers. This comes out next fall in a very Oscar-y time yeah, slot. Yeah, sure does. So this might be an Oscars 2021 story. Maybe we're doing this in the wrong show. I don't care. <laughs> I saw it, and I wanted to do it. I, I wouldn't expect a trailer anytime soon, but I can't wait. How would you describe the last night you had in Soho? I would describe it with flaming hot Cheetos and a sandwich, probably. <laughs> To be honest, that's Man, not a lie. When you die, I need to be in charge of what goes on your headstone. It's <laughs> not a lie. It's just a graveled out cut of a sub. <laughs> Tomatoes and cheese coming out of the side. Mike, Woody Harrelson is confirmed as Carnage for Venom 2. This is some great news, though. Robert Richardson is going to be the cinematographer he just shot Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Robert Richardson is one of these Tarantino's right-hand man as a cinematographer. I think that's the bigger part of this story, honestly, for me. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated to see what he's going to do in a comic book movie. I think he'll do a great job. Okay, all that aside, let's talk about Woody Harrelson. I wanted a recasting. Uh, I wasn't thrilled to see them go forward with this. And it's no fault of Woody Harrelson. I mean, obviously, Woody Harrelson is a fantastic actor, and I think he's going to play Cletus Cassidy great. He's very... He can play unhinged. That's what Cletus Cassidy is. I'm sure he'll be a fantastic carnage. It's just... I. I've seen Woody Harrelson unhinged in, like, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. And for me, that's just not what I want in my Cletus Cassidy. That's all. You want somebody new, somebody doing something fun and different for the first time? I could th list off... I mean, I wrote some down. I'll run them by you. But I could list off, off the top of my head, like, 10 to 15 people I think would be a more intriguing option to Beanie play this. Feldstein. She was one of them. I didn't write her down, but absolutely. I came across her. Yeah, totally. Carnage. Cletus Cassidy is supposed to be this, like, guy that has mental illnesses, and then the symbiote takes hold of him. Okay. So he's unhinged and he's very violent and has very out there tendencies and I just think it's it's a great opportunity for someone to flex those kind of creative muscles that really hasn't been given that opportunity or that chance before. Again, I'm sure Woody Harrelson's going to knock it out of the park and in a vacuum, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do with the character. I just think, I mean, tell me if I you don't want to see any of these people as Carnage or Cletus Cassidy. Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Matthew Lillard. What did he do where he was really dramatic? Scream! No. So he was on Twin Peaks, Mike, and he was... I mean, what a part that yeah. was. And he was in Halt and Catch Fire. I, I think he's getting better as an actor. And I'm, Stu, I'm into that. Stu from Scream could translate very well to Cletus Cassidy. Sterling K. Brown. You're not seeing Sterling K. Brown as Cletus Cassidy and being unhinged? Lucas Hedges. Timothy Oliphant, Walton Goggins, mm. Kelvin Harrison Jr. for Christ's sake, who we just we just reviewed in Loose. I think just he'd be, be perfect. Loose. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly my thought. My personal pick, the favorite after thinking about this for a couple minutes, uh, Ray Fiennes. I think would have knocked it out of the park. I, th oh. I think he might be the most underrated actor in Hollywood. Yeah, just bring some of the Red Dragon character over here. He struggled in big box office movies, though. I will say. Well, that's the beauty of Carnage, though. I th you don't have to give Carnage his own movie. It could be part of the Venom slash Spider Verse. Yeah. No, you're right, though. Yeah, I, that would be a. a, a Eclectic choice, one of many for him. You said Beanie Felstein. I'm all in for a female carnage. Blake Lively, Taraji P. Henson, Gemma Chan. Tell me you're not signing up to see Octavia Spencer or Rosamund Pike play the symbiotic freak. Oh, Rosamund Pike. Right? Like, right? That's, that's all I meant by my by I wanted a recasting. I was just hope I just think it's such a lush character that somebody could have been cast at this and we would have been like, oh yeah. Woody Harrelson's everything. That's like the thing. It's he's not just any old actor. He's in everything. Sure he's too. in like yeah. six movies a year mo in most years. So right. I, I kind of agree with you there. However, you're marketing this worldwide. That's a name. Sure is. It is yeah. a name. So uh, and again, sense. I have nothing against it. I'm sure he's gonna knock it out of the park. Yeah. 
Mike, Netflix, Cardi B, Chance the Rapper, T.I., they're all having a Netflix competition show. It's going to air over three weeks. It's going to be called Rhythm and Flow. What do we think about this? This is very important for Netflix. Many people, including everybody at The Ringer, they've been saying uh, in the last couple of weeks and talking about the streaming wars that Netflix really needed a big reality stage show. Is this it? Now, Netflix's model has been binge us, right? Yeah. They haven't been putting stuff out piecemeal. They are going to adjust their ma model for this show, which is like American Idol, which is like The Voice. They're going to put it out in three installments. Week one is going to have episodes one through four, and then three episodes a week. So this is going to be a three-week arc for the show Rhythm and Flow. This is different. If this works for Netflix, now they're eating in to the network TV pie. Or just reality drama competitions in general. Yeah, absolutely. I co-signed. I think it's important. And look, if anybody's going to break the bank to have judges or hosts or whatever mm -hmm. for this type of channel or this type of competition, I should say, it's going to be Netflix. We've seen them have pretty much bottomless coffers so they can bring in anyone. And T.I., Chance the Rapper, Cardi B was the other name. Mm -hmm. yeah, these are the biggest names in hip-hop right now. So co-sign, I think, think it's a great idea. I echo a lot of what you're saying as well. And um, by the way, if you have a scissors right up next to the cord, make sure the cord is unplugged. I just want to get that out there. Because all this cord cutting <laughs> stuff is scaring me. I had no idea what you were talking about. It was a bad joke. I get it. I get it. No, it's it fine. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> it's just like 30 seconds The face seconds you late. gave me, though, is not, is not equal to the badness of that joke. That's a better joke than the face you gave. All I had in my head was the scene in Groundhog's Day where Bill Murray during the Killing Himself montage takes the toaster in the bath and she just drops it in. I was like, what are you talking about? I suddenly commiserate with Adam Sandler who's like two for every one of his five jokes and now I am of the same... Damn it. I think that was a shortcoming on my part more than yours, <laughs> no. but yeah. Uh, suffice to say, <laughs> we are excited for this. Do you think it's Netflix's way of kind of dipping their toe into not doing the dump and to have things be more sequential and weekly and more episodic? So appointment viewing, does it work in three mini binges or does it work in one per week like Hulu has done, Amazon's done? They got to have some kind of intel on how these other streamers sure. have done it. Yeah. So, so maybe they're not buying into that launch model for their streaming service maybe they're thinking all right let's try this three-week model they got to be thinking it'll work because I'm, this is a major property for them and it's going to be it can't be any small cost i mean these are again three huge names in the yes, industry absolutely mike halloween kills has confirmed a couple of cast members anthony michael hall as a grown-up tommy doyle and i'll leave the other cast member to you yeah so anthony michael hall was the big news that happened a couple days ago he's going to be cast as tommy doyle they're bringing tommy doyle back so great so that's like, a kid in the first that's movie. The, the small boy in the first movie now i guess i'll give the the other cast first before I give my take when everyone heard they were bringing Tommy Doyle back why wouldn't they bring Lindsay Wallace back why aren't they bringing Lindsay Wallace back well they're going to bring back Lindsay Wallace not only are they bringing back Lindsay Wallace they're bringing back actress Kyle Richards mm -hmm. who is currently one of the real housewives who played the original Lindsay Wallace wow. in the original Halloween. <laughs> She's coming back for Halloween Kills. That's now, fun. if they're bringing back Lindsay, 
the original Lindsay, why aren't they bringing back Brian Andrews, who played the original Tommy Doyle in 1978? He's not an actor anymore. And I, I last I heard, I, we watched a movie just because a lot of coverage of Halloween. And I think they mentioned that they tried reaching out to Brian Andrews for a previous movie, not necessarily David Gordon Green, but a previous iteration of Halloween, and nobody could contact him or he's out of the industry completely. So that answers that. Now, Anthony Michael Hall, when the news hit me, I was like, ah. I really wanted it to be Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd's done David Gordon Green movies before. And, and he's done Tommy Doyle in Halloween 6. It was his first movie. Mike, he's done David Gordon Green movies before. <laughs> yes, did, I, yes. did you hear me? And, and, and Kenny, <laughs> I want to keep calling him Kenny Powers. Danny McBride as well. Has really seen Halloween 6 out there. Was that a big episode for us? Now, we is it, are, it. are we talking how many times one person has seen it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh I am excited for Anthony Michael Hall. I'm equally excited that bring bringing back Kyle Richards. Also, I don't think it matters because I don't expect either character to make it to Halloween ends. Mm-hmm. I think these are just kind of nostalgic call- callbacks for Michael to get his vengeance on to oh, set no. up Halloween ends. And if they can kind of cross paths with Laurie Strode, who was their babysitter on that fateful Halloween night, mm-hmm. yo, this is awesome. Is this not great news for all Halloween fans? And Michael Myers has got to win this movie, right? The ladies won the last Listen, movie. If he's, he's not, if he movie. don't end this movie with a head in his hand, oh boy, so, uh, that's how you have to go out. You have to. And the middle movie in the trilogy is all. If you announce a Dark. trilogy, if you announce a trilogy, the middle movie's gotta have a great ending, right? I mean, Empire is the biggest example of this. You gotta have a cliffhanger that you think your heroes and protagonists are screwed. <laughs> Right? That's the only way you can end this and go into a satisfying conclusion of a trilogy. So, I think so. And I think it's in capable hands. We're both big fans of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. So I can't wait to see this great decision, great nostalgia callback. This movie should be 18 hours long if it is successful at 245. But will that head have long, luscious gray hair on it? For who? For Michael Myers' little basket or whatever he's holding that head. You think he's going to chop off his own head? No, the long gray hair, Laurie Strode. Oh, does does, does the matriarch, does the matriarch die in the second one? She's the most capable of the heroes, and now Michael is going after the youngsters. Oh, no. I don't want her. No, she's you got, didn't even realize. No, that. I didn't. She's got to have the big mind. ending, doesn't she? Because I just figured you got to have. I mean, this is, if the whole she story just, is yeah. Laurie and Michael, she's got to be at the end, no? I don't. Oh, know. that'd be a hell of a twist, though, Mike. If I they killed know. off Laurie Strode in the second movie, that'd cause outrage. We'd have a field day with it. Oh boy. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't want that. No. I'd be fat. Really would be fascinating. I am. Really would be fascinating. Oh, wish you didn't say that. Damn. I'm going to spend the next year of my life terrified. Good. I have you right where I want you. You didn't laugh at my joke, you son of a bitch. I laughed. It was just late. Mike, final story here. Eddie Murphy is going to return to the SNL stage for the first time since 1984, the last time he hosted. I think everyone cares about this, yes? Yes, this is great. He was kind of sidelined with the reunion, and I think that was on his own accord. Like yeah. he, he wanted to be sidelined. He just wanted like a little cameo with the big reunion episode. Now he's promoting Dolomite Is My Name and himself in the Best Actor Conversation. Yeah. It's like a couple weeks after that is debuting on Netflix. And it's the Christmas show. It's the Christmas. This is Oscar race time yeah. this is voting time Absolutely. for a lot of these award shows where he's going to do what he has done best in the past it's a really interesting story david spade during an snl i think it was on snl during the hollywood minute 
uh, famously in 1990 or 91 said, look, kids, a falling star. And he was referencing Eddie Murray's movie oh, wow. career as he just made two bombs. And that was kind of the linchpin in the moment that Eddie Murphy decided he wanted nothing to do with SNL ever again. He would never be back. He would never host. He would never converse with Lauren Michaels, et cetera, et cetera. Damn. So him coming back for the reunion special, the 40th anniversary special, I should say, was a big deal in and of itself. But he still didn't want to be on the stage. He didn't want to be taking part in any skits. Mm-hmm. He did introduce a, a, a video package. This is like the culmination. This is really a hero coming home because Eddie Murphy was a gigantic deal he in SNL. He kept that show yeah. afloat. I read the book on it. Yes. He kept that show afloat in the 80s. Pretty much there. single-handedly. Single-handedly. Yeah, and, and so he hosted while a cast member in 1984. Yeah. So that's obviously a big deal in and of itself. But this, you're right. And the Christmas episode of SNL is when everybody comes back anyway. Mm-hmm. It's when, you know, you're always getting a Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler. Those people always show up. So I think it's a perfect... A perfect storm, a culmination of all the Let's right the, the right moments in time. And I, I really, my my heart is smiling knowing this is happening. And I, I think he's going to knock it out of the park. And I can't wait to see Dolomite is my name, by the way. If yes. he has Oscar legs, I'm all about that. Let's get Eddie Murphy into the best actor conversation for sure. Funny trailer. Michael. That's it. That's a week. That is your week. And that is what we have to set the table for, to get you ready for the Hollywood week to come. Obviously, like we said, we will have much more about the film festival fallouts. We're going to be commenting on Telluride. We're going to be commenting on what happened in Venice all the words and word of mouth from all the Oscar contenders and hopeful contenders therein that were shown at these film festivals. That will be at the end of the week at your Oscar race checkpoint. Look forward to that. Once again, Matt Neglia from Next Best Picture, hopefully, if all goes according to plan, is going to sign on with us and give you a couple minutes of his time, give you a first-hand account of what happened in Colorado as well. That'll be fun and exciting, and hopefully you guys find a lot of interest in that. Otherwise, we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about Mm -hmm. everything covered here in MMOW and everything else we do in the MMO Empire. You can leave those with us at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on what Facebook? Where Everywhere. What happens <laughs> Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. M M and Oscar on the Twitter machine. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com dot com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. Tune in Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, on iTunes. Like we said, especially we thank you those of you that have been leaving us these five star reviews. That number has been growing pretty consistently. Uh, so thank you from the bottoms of our heart. If you have not had a chance to do so yet, uh, do go to your podcast app. It's like purple background with a white star app in your iPhone. Tap on that. Go to the search in the bottom right. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Hit submit. You'll see our cartoon logo smiling back at you. Just tap on our logo. Scroll down one time. You'll see the chance to leave us five stars. If you could do that, take a couple seconds out of your day. I think Uh, it tastes like 30 seconds. Yeah, about that. And it would really, I mean, if you want to feel good about yourself doing a good deed for someone (laughs) in 30 seconds of your day. Please, sir. (laughs) Make it your good deed of the day, madam. Please. We really would appreciate that. And if you can tell two friends, hey, all the better. If you want to leave us a comment, nice something on there, uh, we can read it out on air as well. Michael! What's coming next for these people? Let's give them some good words of wisdom to start their week off with. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's Joker. We're going to do that as part four of our Joker character study. We're going to do It Chapter 2 as a movie event. So we've been all about evil clowns lately. This August, heading into September for a reason, we got Oscar (laughs) Race Checkpoint. And we are going to have a first of what we hope is many guests on our Oscar Race Checkpoint show. That's been a big hit for us. And we thank you for listening to that. So we're excited here. And a shout out to in session film a shout out to next best picture map neglia and company and uh we, we love those guys they do great work so we're excited to get people on the show and, and talk oscars with them absolutely mike words of wisdom and i think this is very important mm-hmm. and i think you're going to be mad at me 
Let's get some time travel debates going about Terminator Dark Fate. We need them. We obviously need them. You need them because you don't know shit. I don't know shit. You have withheld this from our show. This is your fault. This is a you problem. You have not allowed this. And therefore, we are just criminally, completely... When we reviewed that trailer, we, we were completely inept at understanding that trailer because yep. of the lack of reps you've allowed with our time travel debates thus far. It's not a real thing. You can't debate about fake stuff. But we're, we're, we're ill-equipped, and we need to be equipped. Like, who wins, a dragon or a wizard? Well, stop it. We're leaving. And... <laughs> Before the next Game of Thrones reboot, I'll have that answer for you. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are a Mike, wizard! Mike. Come on, it's a wizard! Oh, I disagree. A dragon breathes fire. We're <laughs> <laughs> trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will check you out next time. Have a good week. See ya.